So welcome to Bonehead. We're starting this episode with James actually upping and leaving. He's had up it. Upping and leaving. leaving. Yep. Upping and leaving. Upping and leaving. Upping and leaving. Better than downing and staying. Well, for James. Yeah. <laughs> welcome to Bonehead. Welcome to Bonehead. So James has left. Oh, he's back. He's back. He can't okay. hear us. We don't care. Is this, is that Widow's Peak? Yeah, what is uh, that? What is, is that getting further back? <laughs> Year by year, son. Your audio's on, James. You got to bring that microphone down. There you go. I know. I had it muted. Turns out I hoped it would mute you all, but it don't do that. <laughs> don't do that in every bit good. Nary bit good. So uh, really quick, I want to give a shout out to Mick Strawn, for one, uh, going on record and promising me he had an interview with Jeff Burr, the director of uh, Leatherface. And uh, from a whisper to a screen, Courtney Joyner, our uh -huh. friend, also wrote that movie. He, you know, Jeff Bird directed it. Yeah. Jeff Bird won't return my messages. He says he can make this happen. So, Mick, on the record, <laughs> I'm holding you to it, especially since you're coming up to invade my house eventually. Second, thanks so much for telling us our 1989 episode was good. I appreciate that. We and, didn't know how it would go. And third, and I haven't listened to it. Have you? No. <laughs> I, I got about I put it uh, together. I, no, I, I, I listened to about 45 minutes of it today yeah. uh, as I was sitting around uh, working on. How was it? Paper. Um, I actually was sitting there going, yeah, this isn't bad. But then I looked down and I was like, it's an hour and 45 minutes, right? Like it's, it's I was like 45 minutes. I'll break this up and I'll listen to some more tomorrow. Well, back in the day when Haley produced, we would break that up into two episodes, but fuck it. Yeah. Well, right. Like I mean, Joe Rogan do three hours. We're more important than Joe Rogan. No. You know what? I, I think if uh, Joe Rogan disagrees, he should appear on our show and argue with us. That's for damn sure. You hear me, Joe Rogan? I will see you in the octagon. Please don't let him hurt yeah, me. He Please don't hurt me. He would kill oh me. Oh, my God. Should we tag Joe Rogan when this comes out? Tag his podcast and see what happens? He won't do it. Oh, yeah, no. No, no. And I'm sure. Um, he's he, like, I don't have anything to prove. I was in news radio. Yeah, that's actually he was a news radio. great show. It is a good show. He, oh, Phil Hartman. Uh, not that he needs any more viewers. He, there's about 20 or 30 minutes of his latest one with Kevin Smith, and Kevin Smith's been on there before or Kevin tells a story about Joe had a, he written something for Joe Rogan for uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Yeah. And he went to the manager and the manager said, uh, Joe doesn't want to do this. And he's like, well, I'm fucking manager. I, I'm Joe's my buddy. Yeah. So he texts him and he's like, I don't, I hate that acting. I hate that fucking acting shit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was funny. Yeah. At least, and, and Kevin was on his show laughing. Goes, I just, and he goes, no, no, no. It, I, it, it's totally you yeah <laughs> in how many seasons is he on news radio all of them except he wasn't on the pilot episode is he not on the pilot no it was another guy oh. um oh man he was in a few things too and I'm, I'm blanking on what he was i want to say was he the host the guy who joe rogan replaced was the host of where in the world is Carmen san diego the game show hmm. maybe oh, no, i'll we'll have to look it up that. anyway this isn't about joe rogan welcome to bonehead so no, um, real quick. I'm wearing my Ducktail shirt because of the. This is the week that Disney Plus was released, and oh. and uh, Joe has some complaints. I don't know. Do you want to get into them, or do you want me to? Uh, my real complaint is this: you so, shouldn't you shouldn't be looking at Facebook. Well, yeah, considering most of our followers follow us on Facebook. Oh well, yeah, but that's besides the you point. can post things and not actually read what. <laughs> but go ahead. Well, I have to read. It entices me. Jeff Zuckerberg <laughs> knows what I want. Uh -huh. And he knows how to deliver the manna. 
anyway, so here's what pisses me off. I'm not, Christy was kind enough to buy a three-year subscription, right? She got a deal through her Disney card. I'm not mad at her. I'm not upset with her. Yeah. She mis, uh, put in her email, and now we can't log on because we don't have anything. Right. And because there were some issues with it, mm -hmm. she was on hold the other day for four hours. Mm -hmm. right? And this is a time of the year where she's the busiest, so it's right. not like a bunch of us have time. Like, I just got home 30 minutes before you got here, yada, yada, yada. Yep. To get this done. So I haven't seen The Mandalorian. The first two episodes or any of it even though i have a three-year well i have access to a three-year subscription and every <coughs> fucking thing has been ruined with that baby yoda shit mm -hmm. i you know what though i'll be honest uh i haven't ruined, i'll be fine but no and i haven't got to watch it yet because i made a deal with my wife because i make poor decisions. you obviously made a deal with the devil uh i make poor decisions in life um and I know she'll never see this, so I can say whatever I want. <laughs> I actually, I'm, I'll give Christy credit. She may, and, and I don't think she watches them all. She used to or listen to them all. But she actually has heard that because I've gotten uh, some feedback on some comments. <laughs> I've got some notes. <laughs> Did you give them to her? Yeah, I gave her notes. <laughs> like her, yeah, yeah. Let's, that, let's, that asshole said this about you in episode 10. Let's fuck with Joe. <laughs> I got that kind no, of No, I, but. but but I literally, because I was like, oh, I'll go ahead and sign up for it. Because I made her a deal. Basically, she pays for Hulu. And I said, wait a second. We can get the bundle with Hulu and ESPN Plus for $12.99. Right. I was like, what are you paying for Hulu? And she goes, I think it's $7.99. I'm like, well, I'll get ESPN Plus free, which I'll never probably use that much, but I'll have it. And so I'll I'll take over that bill. And you get, And she literally said, that's great. Let's take care of that when you're in for Thanksgiving. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, you know, I'm just sitting by myself all the time. Could be Unable watching. to watch the black hole. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, by the way, somebody on Twitter, and I should remember who it was, because it was actually somebody that writes screenplays, actually posted a screenshot of the black hole. And it's one of the special effects scenes. They said, you know yeah. what? It's a beautiful film. It is a beautiful film. You know what? I like the music even. too. And I was like, "Yeah, it's that's the screenshot they took." Oh, I was like, the cast. You know, I haven't. I have never seen it. It's on my. It's on my queue to watch. You really should watch. I'm it. going to. It's like number two on my list. Uh, you know what I did watch? What, Mr. Boogity? That does not hold up. Well, here's what I. So I told you. And I Mr. Boogity's only in it for like five minutes. And I told. Well, but Richard Masur is in it. Yeah, I know. But I love him. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a treat. Yes. <laughs> and Christy Swanson. Oh. I met Christy Swanson. Mm. She took a nice picture with me. She was very sweet to me. She's a little she, conservative, yeah. bug fuck crazy, but yeah. Yeah, you know, when when she took the picture with really got to get into the topic of the show. We do, but I'm having fun. Okay. Do we, do <laughs> when you, she took do we the, really, I mean, we don't. Yeah, this is free. It's our shit. What are they gonna do? Yeah, nobody's listening anyway. Uh, motherfuckers are supposed to be talking about beep. <laughs> <laughs> when when Joe when when she took the wait, picture, you said motherfucker, but bleep. The topic of the show. Yeah, I don't want to build suspense. <laughs> Again, it's in the title of the show that we. Watch. Well, they, they may not be listening. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, Joe, when she took that photo, did she happen to uh, to to follow it up by saying, "This will be something I can turn over to the authorities"? No, she was actually what? very sweet. 
I did her panel at Scarefest a couple of years. She was very sweet, actually. But um, Mr. Boogity and Boogity Returns. Bride of Boogity. Bride of Boogity. And it's not, that's not on Disney Plus for some reason. That one's not? That's not. You know, so Mr. Boogity, I remembered it being longer, but it's only like 45 it's minutes. It's only 45 minutes. What you else you need to watch about is Mick Garris' directorial debut, a piece of shit called Fuzz, Fuzz Bucket. Fuzz Bucket. He even posted the other day going, I don't know. I, don't, I can't make myself. <laughs> I, I, I'll watch it eventually. But again, uh, that we bought this. I bought it for the kids, but shit, I was, I've been watching all of Darkwing Duck since I got oh, well, it. Well, and that's what somebody, See, Gargoyles, somebody right? yeah, Gargoyles, Gargoyles may be next. I'm the bird after I finish Darkwing Duck, is it going to be Gargoyles or is it going to be Chippendale Rescue Rangers? This is the struggle of my life. Well, I'm going to be honest with you, problem. by the way. So I'm good. Gargoyles, Gargoyles was twinning on, twinning, twinning, marriage. Yeah, because they're not censoring it. Yeah, and that's so I was like, oh, that's that's really great. But um, speaking of, of DuckTales, uh, I can't believe they have Mr. Boogity and not the Bride Mr. of Boogity. Yeah. I know, it boggles the mind. Well, Actually, I listen, saw Bride of Boogity first. I did too. Listen, if you put all your all your Boogity uh, Boo, no, it's Boogity Boogity Boo. Fuck, Joe. I'm if, not allowed to improvise. <laughs> <laughs> if you put all your best racehorses on the same track, Joe. You, you, you're just going to beat yourself. You hold that second stallion back. Six months in when people are like, well, I've watched everything I want to watch. That's when you drop Bride of Boogity. Maybe. He, That's he what that joke is about. Oh. Actually, oh, Rift Track. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. No, I'm good. You sure? <laughs> For our audience who may be watching or Please listening. watch YouTube so you can see my reaction. <laughs> I've, uh, I've had a bit of a virus bug stomach thing. Uh, people, if, you watch, if you watch the Scarefest uh, reviews, you're like, why isn't Joe in his shirt and things and shit? And it's because I was on this couch. I raised up and thought, I got 20 minutes before I have to go do speeches. And I was green, by the way, when yeah. I was sitting in the back of the class. They were going, Jeff, I was like, doing this. Wrap it up, bitches. Wrap it up. <laughs> I raised up to do that and went right back down. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I did see something I liked while I was off for a day what's up uh s craig uh Zawars, the guy that did bone uh bone tomahawk and yeah, yeah. uh brawl on cell block 99 yeah have you guys either one of you seen a dragged across concrete no god Gritton i want to Vince Vaughn? no i want oh, to so it bad. is two hours and almost 40 minutes long seriously damn and there's a scene with Jennifer Carpenter that you think is going to go one place and it goes another way that you could have cut from the movie is Jen, I guess Jennifer Carpenter is this guy's ingenue now. No, he says it's somebody else. But anyway. Um, you know, that's my favorite type. I recommend it. Sandwich. It's not as bloody as some of the other ones, specifically Cell Block. <laughs> but uh, it's – I I don't know that he's a great filmmaker, but he has a distinct voice. We talk about this a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, re I recommend it. I know it's a, a two hours, and it's really two hours, 30, but with credits, it's almost 40. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a commitment. But it all comes together. You're like, where in the hell? And then there's another scene, and I don't know. He's like the conservative. I was, I, I was going to, I was going to go see uh, Motherless Brooklyn because somebody said you should really watch that because they know I like noir films and stuff like that. I kid you not, I went to the theater to buy, and I was at the theater. So can I get a ticket for Motherless Brooklyn? <laughs> we don't, we don't show that as showing, sir. <laughs> I literally had it on my phone. I'm like, it's showing here. And she literally goes back to the computer going, we show a 350 showing. Your website. So, 
I, sir, it's just not in the computer. So I'm like, okay. So I left because the, she literally goes, I can't say you take it because it's not in the computer, but we have the fail, but it's not in the computer as I said in Showtime, so I can't sell a ticket. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm sure that's all programmed anyway. It's not like they send film canisters yeah. anymore. It's... Well, that's what I mean. So I, I was like, okay. And I, I actually wasn't upset because I'm like, that's, a, and the reason I was seeing it at that time was that was the only time. I just think it's great. We haven't even got to the topic yet. It was the only time I could see it because on Thursday night, they, they canceled it to show the Twilight Zone. Fan, uh, fan, Fandango. Not yeah. Fandango. Fa uh, Phantom. Fandango. Phantom. No, Fandango sells tickets, but Phantom Entertainment. Fandango is a movie with Kevin Costner. Fuck you. Grim Fandango is a video game by Lucas uh, Art. All right, cut. Yeah. What's anyway, so, Chad? so I wanted to see Mother of Brooklyn. Well, since we're talking about Disney, sort of, we kind of screened for Disney, but Disney is known for? Animation. An but that animation <laughs> contains? Animal. Uh, yeah, fucking cells. Fucking animals. That scene. We're talking about musicals. Woo! Why not look at the to get there Because you enjoy looking at it. Bonehead is alive. Oh, and this yeah. is a moniker that is thrown at me quite a bit, but everybody's like, oh, you must love horror. I do like horror films. I, I love horror films, but they are not my favorite genre. Okay. I don't think so. I think my favorite genre. You talk about horror a lot, though. <laughs> but it's not my favorite. Okay. It's probably like dark he fantasy. He prefers the fast-paced world of adult literature. <laughs> and I don't know that there's a horror film that's in maybe the thing that's in even in my top five. Hmm. Okay. You know? Not Evil Dead? I mean, it's a great movie. Sam Raimi is my favorite director. Uh, but Jesus. I know Evil Dead 2 is technically a horror yeah, film. Yeah, that's a comedy. But it's like Kevin Smith when he calls yoga ho hosers and red state horror films. Like, no, they're not. No, they're not. And, and they're no, I'm not. I'm not pissing on red state. Red state. Red I, state's I, a good movie, but yoga hosers is not. No, no, it's dreadful. But uh, in and this is it's also not a horror film. No, I just don't think they're. I don't think it either. But anyway, anyway, um, I get this a lot. I like good movies. The three yeah. of us like good movies. Yeah. Now. I have a hard we may time disagree on what those three, what good movies are. Yeah, we yeah. all three do disagree about that, which yeah. is what makes the show not suck too bad. Probably, hopefully, here's praying. But people are like, you don't love, you don't love romantic comedies. I'm like, no, all three of us probably have romantic comedies on our top ten list of favorite yeah. movies, or at least one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The same thing with what's another one that we probably get shit on? Romantic comedies. Uh, just romance films, or would be a one or two. I love. You know, I'll, I'm going to go ahead and say there's one one particular, and it's very particular type of film that I've never found one that I did like. What? Merchant Ivory films, and, and I said it's very. It's not even no, a genre. I even it's, liked. Um, it's Merchant Ivory films. A Room with a View. I watched The Room with a View a few months ago, and I. I um, Is that a sequel uh, to a View with a View to a Kill? No, it's a little different than that. Huh. But it has more penises. So, anyway, where are you getting that about musicals, by the way? But, are you sure? Yeah, it has a few more penises than a view to a kill, as I recollect. There's <laughs> 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 a dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! We should do like do the 007 thing where it lands on a penis. 
I would giggle my ass off. So what I'm getting to is, is that I think people would be shocked that we're doing an episode about musicals. Right. Now, Chad, musicals are your least favorite genre. So you know what? I'm going to correct myself on that. Because. Good, because you've actually said it. I know I have said it. I've said it numerous times. You went on record. Yeah. David. Marriage. So, but no. Musicals. Musicals, I have thought, is my least favorite genre. But then I was doing research for this movie. Yeah. Which movie? I mean, sorry, the show. There's 10. I was able to come up with 10 movies. Now, granted, I'm not a fan of the the early, the musicals from the. You're not a Busby Buckley fan? No, from the the 40s, 50s, 60s. What what do you got? What's wrong with James Cagney? You don't like Cagney? He danced. No, I just, I can't get into those movies. What about Busby Buckley? Sound of Music, I think, is dreadful. I think sound of, you know who else thinks dreadful? Who thinks it's dreadful? Who? Christopher Christopher Plummer. Uh, yeah, no, uh, those, those types of movies. It's true. Look it up, right, James? It's Google. He didn't like the movie. Preferred to be Chancellor Gorkon. Yeah, he would prefer Star Trek VI over the sound of music. And a lot of this, a lot of. I prefer the Star Trek VI. Honestly, a lot of the songs in in the Disney movies that are famous annoy the hell out of me. Like what? Like the snow, like the song from Snow White. Yeah, well. I've, that, that Once Upon a Dream from Sleeping Beauty. Oh, I like that. But Sleeping Beauty is my favorite fairy tale. So. By the way, uh, we are going to do an. I wanted to run an episode topic by them. I think we should do one on Disney villains at some point. Yes. Oh yeah. Because yeah. Maleficent is amazing. Yes. Not Angelina Jolie. No. Not that I have a thing against it. I actually think. Have you exactly. seen? And, and real quick, people may enjoy this if if what, finish watching our show first. But after you're done with our excellent program, have you seen this online where there is an actress that is one of the actors on Disney property, and she she does. Uh, both the Evil Queen and Maleficent, but her Maleficent. If you haven't seen it, just Google Maleficent's response to Angelina Jolie. You'll find this on YouTube. Uh, Pat Oswalt shared it, and it was flawless because somebody has some merchandise from the Angelina Jolie film, and they hand it to her. Yeah, and she goes, oh, "Who is this imposter?" <laughs> yeah. She she has a because certain they get to look. be characters. So if the characters yeah. like if you're Jack Sparrow, then you get to be weird. You yeah. get to do those things. Yeah, and and it was. But I watched. I think it's about three minutes long. She goes off, and it's perfect because she goes. She has a certain appearance, sure, but she is not. Yeah. This and I was. I literally so watch our show no. and then look for that. It is. It's a lot of fun. No, so it's just my big thing. The one of the big issues I have with musicals is it, it drives me nuts when instead of just using actual dialogue to express emotions, they just break out in the song. I can't, I can't, can't you I love fantasy. I love fantasy. I love, I love, I love everything about it, but I can't dive into a, a scene where they just break out in the song. It just takes me right out of this. It. So but there's so, several but Chad, it's a real pussy wagon. Grease lightning. Uh, another one. That's another fine example of a movie that I can't get into is Grease. I what about Grease? Don't you start. I, don't you start. I don't know what. I have not, as much as it pains me, and it does, to agree with Chad, I've seen Grease twice and I have no urge. It's no a idea. real pussy wagon. Grease lightning. I just can't. Not, not as much as that one in Kill Bill. I like, no. the, op- I like the opening credits of Grease. That's it. And it's Sid Caesar. I, well, I know, but it's not Sid Caesar. It's... Uh, anyway. No, that's Sid Caesar. Uh, Say not... what you will about Sid Caesar, but he has an amazing dressing. Yes, <laughs> that's such a bad. So anyway, so we're gonna talk about our list. Yes, I'm old and I need attention. Do you all want me to go first? Since yes. I'm, yes. I'm, 
So this is another fun example of this is one of my favorite movies of all time, and it's a musical. Yes. Little Shop of Horrors. I knew you were going to steal that. Come and bop. Little Shop Shop of Horrors. Is it Watch Them Drop? I think, yes. Yes. So uh, we little, sing on the show a lot too, actually. Yes, we. That's why I was trying to actually think of a musical number I could do to kick us off, and I didn't because hey, I, I sing like an amputee, can't hold oh. a note, can't carry a team. Um, amputee. Was this on your list, James? Watching. Was this on your list? No, it wasn't. Okay. So 1986, directed by Frank Oz and written by Howard Ashman. Songs were written by Howard Ashman and Alan Minkin. I did not know Alan Minkin wrote the songs for Little Shop of Horror. I didn't either. Who's Alan Minkin? James. Alan Minkin? You know a lot of songs by Alan Minkin. Probably. If I'm not mistaken, Alan Minkin was Beauty and the Beast, right? Beauty and the Beast. Oh, never heard and of him. And he's, he's, he's wrote several modern-day Disney songs. He's wrote them. But he hasn't written a lot recently. <laughs> He's dead. Um, if I'm not mistaken, right? I don't know. Am I getting him and Ashman confused? I, I think you might what be. The, I think because Alan Minkin wrote new, Alan Minkin wrote some new additional songs for the the live action Beauty and the Beast. Okay, then which it's is a right. dog turd. Yes, terrible movie. So it stars Rick Moranis. Yes, yes I'm sorry, Howard Ashman is. The one uh, yeah, Howard Ashman. Ashman. So Rick Moranis, Ellen Green. It was Ma- not a terrible movie. No, what? <laughs> Ellen Green, Ellen Green, Bill Murray, Steve Martin, John Candy, Vincent Gardini, Gardenia, Gardenia, and the great Levi Stubbs. You left somebody off there. Who not leave out? Steve Martin. No, I said Steve Martin. No, I said it right after Bill Murray. Uh-uh. I'm reading my script. <laughs> um, to be a dentist. Yeah. You'll be a dentist. <laughs> uh, I loved that as a kid. Yes. I probably watched that dozens of times, times as yeah. a kid. And these and I, I, there's tons of songs, but my personal favorites are Skid Row, yeah, uh, Feed Me, yeah, Dentist, Seymour, uh, Suddenly Seymour, where Ellen Green just knocks it out of the park. So by the way, that is a character actor we should have done on our character actor show. Yes, and I, I've got an interesting tidbit about her too. Um, but um, Mean Green Mother from Outer Space. I'm a mean green mother from outer space, and I'm bad. Is it? Right? Yeah. yeah. So here's a here's a here's a fascinating aspect of this. I don't know if you know about the making of that movie. A little bit, but it's based on the the, the play, the, the, the ed, musical. The, right? it's, well, yeah. It's, so it was. It's originally a a, a a low budget film done by Roger Corman, who would, he did the movie in two days. I think is what yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a bet. It, it was, was a bet that he couldn't do it. Story. Yeah, and he, was and it starred. The original one starred. Dick Miller was in it, but he didn't star. Yeah, he in didn't it. star in it. It was Jack Nicholson, right? Jack, Jack Nicholson, Nicholson in is in it, but he, he didn't plays star in Bill. It. He was Bill Murray's character. Yeah, yeah. So he wasn't star. No. Um, no yeah. One of the actors was Jack Nicholson. You're right. Thank Buttercup. you. See, so, thank you. Did that make any better? No. Right. Uh, anyway, so uh, a cup of butter runneth over. Levi Stubbs, who's who is <laughs> the voice? Of, we should get the check that. Levi Stubbs <laughs> is the voice of Audrey Two, the plant. Yeah. He sung so fast that there was no way possible for the puppet puppeteers to keep up with his vocals. So what they had to do, they had to lower the the frame rate for where they've shot it. Do you know about this? No, they had to lower the frame rate of how they shot it. So when they actually are shooting this, they're moving in slow motion. Even Rick Moranis is singing in slow-mo and then they sped it up oh, to catch tough. up just because Levi Stubbs was going 
so fast. Um, that I just love that aspect of it. Um, and then you know they didn't want Ellen Green. Why not? They wanted Cindy Lauper. Oh, I mean, I can see it. I can I totally can, see. Yeah. It. But I don't. Cindy Lauper could not hit those notes that Ellen Green does. Uh, Cindy no. Lauper is an amazing, talented singer who doesn't get the respect that she deserves, in you my think opinion. That? Oh God, yeah, I love Cindy Lauper. She definitely the way you did no, it. I mean, no, it was so no. passionate. I do, man. I could sit there and listen to True Colors. Oh my! And God. almost white cry. I love True. I think I, on that one. Do you? Feel not, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Time after time. Time after time. Are you, oh, you, that you still lost me. But do you feel the same way when you watch Vibes? <laughs> with her and Jeff Goldblum. No, the kind no, of you sure? Yeah. What about when she does the Goonies song? Uh, do you get emotional then? Oh yeah, I get. I want to get on my bike and go down the hill, but I can't ride a bike. <laughs> um, which explains your childhood. <laughs> but no, I actually will agree with Chad a little bit on this. Speaking of Cindy Lauper, um, pretty much like '80s women musicians. I think you have a spectrum of of awesome that's just different. But I think yeah. you have so. Joe you're Jett. saying Cindy Lauper's on the spectrum. You have Joan Jett and Cindy Lauper, and I think they hit transcend somehow. But I think, and I think Cindy, Cindy Lauper could hit notes that most singers at that time oh, yeah. couldn't. But no, so they wanted Cindy Lauper. They couldn't get her because of, uh, of timing. They then wanted Madonna for some awful reason. Now, hold on really quick. So that's produced by Geffen, yes. David Geffen, as one of his Geffen, because he's also did Beetlejuice. He did several movies in the 80s that people yes. remember quite well right away. Yeah. Geffen started out in music. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he was, she was on Maybe. his label. Maybe. I'm just know. asking. I'm talking yeah, out loud. But no. For you history buffs I never of the got, entertainment And industry. I never got why Madonna wasn't. But then they decided, well, <laughs> we'll just go with the lady who's doing the, the Broadway production, uh-huh. which was Ellen Green. Oh, that's cool. She was already on Broadway doing the show. She, is she the only one who was on Broadway who got to do yes, the movie? Yes, she was the only one. So she was actually the only transition from the Broadway play. Did you know that this movie bombed? I didn't know it bombed. I didn't think it was a huge success. It uh, was a budget at $25 million. Well, okay. Which is it, a big budget for the 80s. Yeah. And, and now, granted, it made its money back. It made $38 million. But it premiered number four. Really? So it, it just played well for a while? Yeah, it played well. So it, it, um, it, uh, The Golden Child, <laughs> Star Trek Four, and Three Amigos were the top three. Of that, that, week, of that weekend? Of that weekend. Oh. <laughs> and Little Shop of Horrors premiered watch and drop (laughs) so and by the way that's one thing i'm gonna say my three picks none of them were a success at the box office well well no they were none of them were a success at a box and this one kind this was the closest one well my two were huge were huge um but uh yeah so it 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 was not a number one hit which shocked me because this this was one of those staples of my childhood and i still watch it to this day and and when and when ellen green sings suddenly seymour it actually sends goosebumps up me I love hearing that 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 song, and and Rick Moranis is amazing in it. Uh, for you people out there who like Ellen Green, there's another movie you should check out with Christian Slater called Pump Up the Volume. Yes. she's also in. She plays the teacher. Check that out as well. Just, uh, and one, we'll move on. But the one the other thing I want to talk about was um, Bill Murray um, and Steve Martin. Uh-huh. So Bill Murray obviously is not he, credited in the movie. No, yeah. and he ad libbed most of the lines. No, yeah, that's yeah, no, yeah. Basically, Frank Oz said, "Okay, do the do the part when you're walking. Here's the script for when you're walking to the dentist. Of course, he ad libbed quite a bit, but when they actually got in the chair, he just said, "Go for it." And Bill Murray did. And I swear to God, because Steve Martin is Steve Martin known as a, for an ad libs. I don't think I don't he think is. So. I think he's more of an on the script person. 
even then, can you do you all watch that movie and could you kind of see that Steve Martin's a little bit uncomfortable? Like he doesn't know what to do. Would you believe that I haven't seen it in ten to twenty years? Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. I don't own it. Well, I don't think I do. Because the new the special edition came out last year, yeah. right? Our former, and the big thing was that it, they yeah, included the, the original Yeah, ending. The, so in the original ending, Audrey Two just wipes out all of humanity. Which is probably the way yeah. that the plan um, ended, right? Uh, our former producer Haley Salyers uh, was actually we actually talked about it because they were showing it here, and we uh, we tried to get to go, but just the timing was yeah, not, yeah, we yeah, couldn't we go. So, um, but no, um, yeah. So that's my first pick. Just I love Little Shop, and I didn't realize, you know, I I knew it was a musical, but man, I didn't. It's just one of those. Now I, I love it too. I would have picked it, but I just assumed either you or then James is going. Yeah, to I thought it. you know so and, uh, what's interesting away. about it, and, and I don't recommend seeking this out. But the cartoon they spun off of it, yes, um, it Where was it, such it, a musical that the cartoon would stop to have musical segments. Oh, really? I've never seen it. Every episode of the cartoon had a musical segment in it. As amazing as amazing Levi as as amazing as Levi Stubbs was in this movie, he only the only other thing I think he did was he was the voice of Mother Brain in Captain N and the Game Master. Yes. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a it's a t- oh man, it was no no oh you own cops you don't get his crap on Captain. You cannot N. you cannot sit here and tell me Captain N and the Game Master was a good cartoon, sir. It's it's at least on par with cops. You're you're full of shit. No. <laughs> All right. It gets even though, even though Levi's stuff is the brain is amazing. Can we move it, along? It is. It, 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 All it. right. <laughs> I'm going to do, since Chad has sprung this B movie tripe on us, I'm going to do an A list MGM film that I never thought I'd do, but when I was going through my list, it actually landed on number one. I'm going to do Meet Me in St. Louis. I don't know it. Directed by who would go Vincent to S- Minnelli. Who would meet in St. Louis? Well, clearly it's Judy fucking Garland. <laughs> and then she Wait, had sex with Vincent Judy Minnelli. Judy Garland and somebody. Who was in that amazing movie with uh, that great actor, Burt Reynolds. Joe. <laughs> Wait, Judy Garland did a film with somebody with the last name Minnelli? Do go on. I think <laughs> this could lead to something. It did. it did. You know, oddly enough, so real quick, when I was doing the... So I knew the movie. And by the way, you said it wrong. Meet me in St. Louis. I said St. Louis. Fuck, you did? Yeah, I did. I said... Damn it. Everybody, we're pausing this damn thing right now. I'm going back. <laughs> meet me in St. Louis. You want me to do the rewind sound effect? <laughs> so, you want to hear a funny story about this? So, Judy Garland... No, I don't. Be hard. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> and what I found out uh, interesting about it, see, I'm just going to go on, is that her and Vincent Minnelli did not get along. Oh, shit. No, really. <laughs> so they have well, something They in ended common. up, you know, having a kid together. Yeah, but it wasn't a healthy relationship if I, if I know my history. Yeah, they, but the so interesting thing is how did it even get there? Because he hated, well, she didn't hate it, but it was so hard to direct her because she was so insecure. Yeah. And she hated the part. She didn't really want to take the part. And he had to get her overact, which is how he built her part out of it. So, because she didn't even like the dialogue. So I, 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 I kind of screwed so up. Manelli and me have something in common. <laughs> I didn't um, tell you. spouse that. originally hated us. <laughs> yeah, come to think about it, Christy hated my guts too. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't even, I, I failed to tell the plot of uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Look it up. What is the, what is Meet Me in St. Louis about? Anyway? Nah, it's about Carpathia, Ohio. Uh. 
okay so i'm going to read a little bit here i don't mean to just so i can get the i'm bad about not giving uh, not not telling the plots for things yeah so am i divided in you're better than me divided into a series of seasonal vignettes starring starting with summer 1903 it takes place in 1903 right as, as the world's fair is happening in st louis at oh, the end of the movie so this is an h.h H. holmes biopic <laughs> it right <laughs> that's really obscure history oh my god that would be a great musical. Family in St. Louis, leading up to the opening of the Louisiana Purchase Exposition, more commonly referred to as the World's Fair, in the spring of 1904. The picture stars Judy Garland, Margaret O'Brien. She was the little girl. And um, so what happens is Mr. Smith yep. is going, is getting a job in New York and is eventually going to have to move the family. To Washington, right? Uh, no, it's New York City on business. No, I that. heard Mr. Smith goes to Washington. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Why did I see that coming? Why did I see that coming? <laughs> Wee! Um, all right. So, it's based on a book. I hate you. <laughs> Let me tell you one other interesting thing. So, this Vincent Minnelli was so detailed about this the book that the set and the actors were really impressed about how detailed the, so much detail just went into the set yeah. that that living room set at the turn of the century yeah was used 15 years later for a little movie called the time machine because it still held up oh nice that so that whole set yeah. is straight out of meet me in st louis because it was mgm at the time and we'll go we should really do a two to three parter over mgm and what a dream factory that place was that's really what okay no go ahead no it was no i i mean no it's a nightmare for some people yeah. but you know what i'm talking about yeah uh, just uh, just uh, just so you know uh, you must remember this did a 12 parter <laughs> well we're not doing um, the whole fucking thing about Louis i'll B. do you one better turner uh tnt oh, yeah, huh tnt back when ted turner owned it did that entire was it two or three yeah. hour long episodes narrated by patrick stewart mgm when the lion roars yeah, I, and I watched it, and I was like, "Oh wow, that was a place to be." I mean, it was terrible for some people, but if you for were some not people, one of those but people. it was a dream pleasure. Yeah. So <laughs> Sally Benson wrote the book, and he went back so just to get the details. There's a lot of songs that people remember out of it. Uh, the big one is "Oh Jesus," I can't remember because my favorite. The is big the one's "Oh Jesus." I don't know that oh, one. No. <laughs> oh Jesus! Oh Jesus! <laughs> so what I really like. Uh, my favorite, of course, is Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. But that's actually not, the, it's uh, the trolley. Is it Chang Tang? Uh, bang, bang, yeah. When the trolley. So she bang, did all bang, that one take, right, right. Well. That's all, that, that, those songs are from this movie? Yes. Wow, okay. Yeah. And honestly, so if neither one of you have seen it. I haven't. And what's funny about I've this is it, I said it, horror films weren't my favorite genre. The actual best sequence in this movie to me is the Halloween sequence. It was almost cut from the film because of budgetary reasons. Yep. The Vincent Minnelli made it happen. It was like, no, 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 we can't do this. And like I said, the movie's told over vignettes. So it's like spring, summer, yada, yada, yada. You've got to at least watch the Halloween sequence. It is spring, summer, fall. It's shot. It is the encapsulation of it's almost like uh who's the guy that used to do the saturday evening post what are the what's the norman rockwell yeah it's almost a rockwellian vision of a small street in the turn of the century halloween what that was it's just beautiful lots of, of racism. american vision <sighs> hatred of the irish yep did i yeah. shit on audrey too because <laughs> you like it <laughs> well you've not seen it i though. know <laughs> 
You should see it. No, it is. I, now I watched it, and I was going to say I have seen it, but I'll tell you how long ago when I when I saw it. Uh, I had to take a um, theater class, and, and it was shown in high school. Uh, no, it's my first year of college, and it was shown as the prime example of a musical. Yeah, and, and I, 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 I you can't vote. Yeah. I, they don't get a lot of say so where Mr. Smith goes. <laughs> I, I appreciated it, but I'll be honest, I still argue. I mean, it's 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 an important musical for all the songs that you've already named. Yeah. But it's still not the one that makes me go, that's a musical. All it, right. So it's pretty close. The Halloween sequence on the street outside the Smith home was primarily filmed through low angles. So the movie audience would experience Halloween night as the Margaret O'Brien, who's a small child named Tootie. A barks on an adventure, and the house appears to be large and looming. You just got to check it out. What? I uh, just tootie. I was thinking of Facts of Life. Yeah, well, believe it or not, this was before the Facts of Life. <laughs> you take the, the good. The good. You take the bad. bad. They ripped off fucking Meet Me in St. Louis. <laughs> anyway, there you go. I, I, I think you should watch it. By the way, Margaret O'Brien was awarded a special Oscar when she was so young. That year at the Academy. And by the way, this was a huge success. Actually, it was MGM's second biggest success and David O. Selznick book behind a little movie called Wizard of Oz, I'm Gone assuming. On with the Wind. Wizard uh, of Oz actually was not a success when it came out. Oh, that's right. So James, so you just said that what did you think we of probably need to go a little quicker? I would know I'm I, I, I'm going to go a little slow. I'm gonna go about the same speed you all did because I I was doing research for this film. And I found, I found a reference to something, and I was like, "The Hell musical is that?" I would watch the Hell musical. Uh, it's hot, hot, hot. Anyway, um, anyway, so I was like, "I want to know more about this because it was originally supposed to be an animated musical, and they had already cast it, and then Hueck came along and ruined it." The House on American Activities yeah. Committee blackballed. The guy, the animator that was working on it, who had worked for Disney, who had worked on all these people. Um, the original cast for this animated version of the musical they were going to do was uh, it was going to be directed that the, the uh, John Hubley, who worked on Snow White and uh, it created uh, Joe's all time favorite reference to call uh, our good friend Craig Dennis, who always shares our videos, created a Mr. Magoo. <laughs> But hey, the, Magoo, what's it like driving after dark? Sorry, I'm a terrible human being. But the uh, the original cast they had for this. You call me Lunger? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lunger. That's all right. I'm the shrimper, so. Um, yeah, but at voice, least it has nothing to do with an actual medical condition you have. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, the voice cast they originally had cast for this was Frank Sinatra, yeah. Ella Fitzgerald, uh-huh. Louis Armstrong, Barry Fitzgerald, and Jim Backus. Jim Backus? Not Jim Backus of Gilligan's They Island. tried for a decade to get this made. So the musical premiered on Broadway in 1947. They were going to do the animated version in 1958. It was actually going to... He had already left Disney. It was going to see if they could compete against Disney. Guess what? Never happened because Huack said he's a communist. He refused to turn over names. He kept trying to get it made. This never happened. So um, 1968, 20 years after it's been on Broadway, they finally get the rights to make the film. And if you all know anything about this film, I'll kind of be shocked. 
Finian's Rainbow. Have you ever heard of it? No. Of course I know Finian's Rainbow. You're talking about Francis Ford Coppola. There you go. That's why most people know it. There you go. Eh. Have you ever seen it? Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> I, I, I actually could've... couldn't finish watching it. Well, that's the problem. Okay, so I will defend it because it is, if you keep in mind the script or the, the original story is 1947. And it was a bomb, right? No, no. That was it a tripled, success? It tripled its budget. $3.5 million budget made a, a close to $12 million. But it's not it's not considered a good movie in the history. Well, that's because it came again, out against another musical that I don't like. Why? But I, I had to find this, and I'll, I'll set this up. So I had to find this, and it, I, it wasn't on Netflix. It wasn't on Amazon, or it wasn't free on Amazon, and it wasn't on um, Hulu, the three things I have constant access to. So I finally said, screw it, and I rented it for $2 on Amazon, and I watched it. And it is a very very interesting film that i actually enjoyed some of the songs from quite a bit the plot to the film though is all over the place because it has multiple plots it's it takes place in um rainbow valley missitucky in a tobacco community finian is played by uh fred astaire mm -hmm. his daughter's played by patula clark she'll take you downtown who plays the platypus? Downtown. Uh, uh, <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. To sir with love. That was Patula Clark, wasn't it? Uh, that sounds right. I, I know her for downtown because my dad loved that song. Downtown. My dad liked Patula Clark. I think I prefer to serve with love. <laughs> Here's the cast. So Fred Astaire, Patula Clark, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Tommy Steele plays Og the Leprechaun. Is he an uh, actual he leprechaun? Yes, okay. and I'm getting to it. Woody Mahoney plays Don Franklin. Keenan Wynn is the evil racist politician. Chad, here's the plot to the film. Finian steals a pot of gold from a leprechaun and flees Ireland and comes to America. And he settles in Mississippi, combination of Mississippi and Kentucky. Which is next to Pennsylvania. Uh, which is a tobacco farming community. He sides with the local workers against the evil. So you've got plot A. Then you've got plot B, Og the Leprechaun. It turns out they don't have exposure to their pot of gold after a while. They become human. And he does not want to become human because humans suck. So he comes over pursuing Finian. It is a fantasy and a romantic comedy smacked together with tons of commentary about racism. Because Keenan Wynn plays the evil racist. The opposite of Meet Me in St. Louis. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He Don't trains. knock it until you've had Judy Garland. <laughs> Keenan Wynn <laughs> plays this racist politician who trains dogs to attack African Americans. Which reminds me of a movie called White Dog, and we should probably talk about to that. To the right point here. that at one point he's going to, and, and the, the, there's one African American town who is befriended by Finian, and he's working on, and this movie is very much of its time, making mentholated tobacco that grows mentholated. That's what he's working on. The town is going into poverty. The politician is getting more and more rich. And all of this comes to a head when the, the daughter is, they're, they're getting ready to basically get attack the people. And the, the politician, she wishes that he knew what put people through. Because they have leprechaun gold, 
it, the wish comes true, and Keenan Wynn is made into an African American, and his own dogs attack. And on that bombshell, so, tune in next week for Bonehead, where we'll be talking about white dog. <laughs> no, he. Uh, so anyway, the, look it up. It, it is a weird, flipping movie. I will admit, but that's one of the problems with it. It doesn't get a lot of TV time, even though it was a hit, because the runtime on this film, because it has all these different subplots that come together, is almost three hours. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've never made. I'll it be through. honest with you, James. You're not selling this for me at all. Here's, I can't get through it. It's a goofy little movie. Uh, here's the thing about it. Uh, if you if you like any of those films, that if you can't be with the one you love, you should love the one you with. That's a rip off of this movie. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. The the lyrics in their version is when I'm not near the girl I love, I love the girl I'm near. Huh. The versions in this. Um, but I also love it because okay, Fred Astaire is old by the time this movie's. Oh God, yeah. But he has some of the most heartfelt lines. The Dancing Mouse isn't animated. It's it's <laughs> dementia. <laughs> it is, yeah. He has some of the most. Heart, I don't know. He probably so the double movie, double stomach bug. He <laughs> at the end of the movie, it pretty much implies that he knows he's dying. Okay, and he wanders off, and his daughter looks at him because his daughter has just got married. But it's not a happy. Everything works out fine. She sings to serve. No, in no. love. She sings Go a song that was nominated. Now. For an Academy Award, thank you, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, she looks at him and says, where are you going? And he says, I'm going to find me a rainbow. There may not be a pot of gold under it, but at least there'll be a beautiful new world. All right, so he's dead. Um, Move along. No, and then his final, uh, and in that same speech, uh, she is downcast. They just had, they lost everything in a fire. This is how the movie ends. And they have this, I don't know what Chad yeah, is covering his face with a pillow. Um, <laughs> The, the line of, uh, he just has this great line where he, ah! says, they, he says, things are indeed hopeless, but they're not serious. And he just realized that nothing in life is serious and you can't take it that way. That being said, I wanted to point this out. Joe, you said, why isn't it well known today? No, uh, I don't think it's a good movie. That's The, the Broadway no. revival, by the way, just came back out and they've been, tour they were on Broadway. They're, I think they may still be on Broadway. Huge hit. Oh again. my God, get to what was came out the same time. The songs from it are Old Devil Moon, and the one that was nominated for an Academy Award or How Are Things in Glockmora, which is basically the song Glockmora is where you go when you're dead. Um, and, but then the, the main song that Petula Clark sings in this is called Look to the Rainbow. And one of the lyrics that I really loved, and I was really like, ah, that's a good lyric, is follow the... Fu follow the, the whole time I was talking, and you haven't done jack to him other fucking You all have constantly been going. Follow the fellow who follows his dream. Joe, why don't you know this movie? Or why don't more people know this movie? I'm you know, the only one of the three of us that knew it. Uh, that tripled its budget. The reason nobody knows this movie is another stupid musical came out that I don't like that was considered a bigger hit and got all the Academy Awards that year. Oliver. Oh, you know, I've never, I've only seen scenes. Yeah, I've never seen Oliver. I, I like you've Oliver. You've not seen Oliver? You didn't make it all the way through this, but you haven't seen all of Oliver, the two big movies? Anyway. Uh, Oliver, so this was nominated I've never for, seen Oliver and Company either. Um, it's okay. <laughs> it was nominated for Golden Globe Award for Joe Best World. Motion Picture. It lost to Oliver. Petula Clark was nominated for a Golden Globe Award for Best Actress. Uh, she lost to Barbara Streisand for Funny Girl. Oh, uh, well, I mean, Funny Lady. Fred, oh, no, Fred, that's the sequel. <laughs> Fred Astaire was nominated for Best Actor. Lost to Ron Moody for Oliver. 
Oh Barbara my God, Gosselin. I get it. Ruth Gordon won for Rosemary's Baby, though. So that well, be, no, Ruth Gordon deserved that. That be I agree, I agree. I'm not, but anyway, what's funny about it is in 2004 when AFI was doing their top 100 songs. Yes, our things in Glockamore is on that list. So, I don't even know it. Well, you need to actually watch the entire movie, and it, it's used three Dang, times. I haven't even seen The Mandalorian yet. Which one do you think is going to take precedent? Have you watched Star Trek Discovery yet? Because I no. may need that back. I want to rewatch no. it. <laughs> no, you have it right over there. I'll let you borrow it as soon as this freezes over. What is this, hell? <laughs> uh, anyway, so I wanted to mention Jad go, Jad, 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 I mentioned Jad, it because Jad, I want uh, The one thing Francis Ford Coppola does do in the film. You that said I one do. thing more than once. I know, but y'all keep interrupting me, and I get off track. Oh, I didn't interrupt for like 20 minutes watching Chad go, why didn't he interrupt me? <laughs> Chad's been interrupting oh, with his facial features. He was making fun of 1904. What the hell? <laughs> anyway, um, What's going on? Francis Ford Coppola, if you, 2017, they released a Blu-ray of it with the Francis Ford Coppola doc, uh, commentary. Francis Ford Coppola spends most of the commentary talking about things that didn't work out the way he wanted it to. That being said, if you do watch the film, Francis Ford Coppola gets so many great landscape scenes and, and, and the feeling of the town that literally the town is, you, you don't see it. Most musicals feel like they're still set on a Broadway stage. Yeah. This one doesn't. Francis Ford Coppola directs the living daylights out of this film. Well, you know, he went on to do only one other movie and it was called The Cotton Club. No, Dementia, uh, Dementia 13. Sorry. He'd already done that. What about Jack? Yeah. Jack. I love that we're nailing just the shit. Yeah, no. Jack. Jack is dead, my friends. <laughs> and then he made a version of The Mummy. <laughs> it's called Francis Ford Couple is The Mummy. Mummy. He never did Dracula. Are we going? <laughs> All Chad. Right. Yeah, I'm done. I don't know why y'all killing time. Killing time right. killing me. So again, According this is Clint Black. Did, uh, my Drinking myself blind. So, I got eye hands, they won't see. So and if I cross that, that line and the bear lead me, then I might just be killing time. time. You screwed up the lyrics. I did. I'll be killing time, killing time for, eternity. for eternity. See that that that, that that's, music. that's music. It's one of the few things <laughs> that I found out in 2004. We had COVID. Was that one song? They, they, <laughs> they we had both types of music. <laughs> Right? Both of it. What now? Did your mom played it for you? Yeah. Why do I remember <laughs> that? I don't know. We both His mom kept, kept killing time on a loop for him as a child. Huh. Right? We, That's not true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> While she brushed his hair. I was going to say, I thought you were going to say brushed his teeth. No. no what the Have hell? Have you seen those? Those weren't brushed. <laughs> All hey, right, go. Hey, no cavities. Jacked was, up because I couldn't afford I had an allergy you have. No braces because we were poor when I was a kid. Thanks for pointing out childhood poverty, you jerk. Yeah, well, it worked out okay for you, Mountain Dew boy. Now keep going. So my second pick was, again, it wasn't a box office success. It kind of came and went. You it, guys are going to pick anything? It, 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 had a, it, had a, it has a cult following now. It actually uh, has been uh, received even more popular on Broadway. Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Okay. From 2001. Written and directed by John Cameron Mitchell. Songs written by Stephen Trask. I actually still listen to, a, I have a couple of these songs on my iPod that I still listen to. Um, they, just, they just have that beat. Um, the story is about a transgen 
Sorry. Let me read my We've story. got the beat. We've got I was going to do it, and I stopped myself. The story I did about a transgender rocker who is traveling across the U.S. playing in sleazy bars and Asian restaurants with her band. During the story, she, during the story, she tells her, her life story of how she got there and how the man she loved stole her songs and reached fame. Also, how she, how, I, um, how she had a botched gender reassignment surgery that left her with what is clearly defined in the title of the movie. Um, some of the great, some of the best songs from that, um, this musical, Origin of Love, Tear Me Down. Origin of Love? Yes, it's actually a really good song. Uh, he, uh, let, let me get into that in a minute. Um, Tear Me Down, Midnight Radio, and Wig in a Box. All four amazing what songs. What about Man in a Box? No, Wig in a Box is a lot better. The man I'm on a midnight radio. I'm on a midnight, whoa, whoa, radio. <laughs> so, um. One of the one of the things, uh, so just like uh, Little Shop of Horrors, one of the things I liked about how they did this movie. So John Cameron Mitchell did not actually want to direct this movie; he just wanted to star in it. He had wrote it with Stephen Trask, but um, as they got closer and closer, he realized that he probably needed to direct it because he knew how he knew how the things went. Um, but unlike most musical films, the film's musical arranged segments are only partly filmed on playback. <clears throat> Uh, they didn't want to have to lip sync the lines and the music, so the band playing was recorded in studio and then played back on set and sang live. He, uh, Mitchell's vocals were recorded and then mixed later on with recording of the band, making it sound like they too were performing live. Um, however, on the soundtrack, the vocals were mixed so sound so to sound as if they were recorded in a studio. Um, this actually started out as a drag queen show that John Cameron Mitchell and Trask developed. Mitchell was a really big fan of the stage adaption of Plato's Symposium. Not um, a clue. I, I don't know either. But uh, he and Trask collaborated on a song uh, based on the play. That was what became Origin of Love. Um, so the following is a quote from John Cameron Mitchell about the, the song. <laughs> I don't got it in my, It's the ending song of the producers. Where they're in the prison. prisoners of love. Prisoners of love. Prisoners the Origin of, of love. love. I keep thinking prisoners of love. <laughs> Have you have you heard of have you heard the song Origins of Love? No, no. I've actually never seen the movie. I'm familiar with it, but I've never seen the it. The movie's really good, and I highly recommend. Just YouTube. Is it better than Priscilla Queen of the Desert? I I, I like it more because I like Priscilla Queen of the Desert. The, I, I like Priscilla Queen of the Desert as well. Yeah, but I like Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Um, but I was so excited about what um, I was seeing on stage that I. And by the way, I should say this came from a Rolling Stone article about the oral history of this. It's movie. not Peter Travers, is it? No. Because God, he's such a suck up to Tarantino. Um, Tag his ass in Twitter about that. He uh, basically, wrote, I was so excited about what I was seeing on stage that I started thinking more about this Hedwig character that he was developing for this drag show. Uh, Steven said, "Well, I can get you an easy gig with an audience here. Uh, this was a this was a bar that they the, a drag show that they were hanging out together in. Yeah. But you'd have to do the female character because this is how it works at this club." So I started thinking about the character and the transgender aspect, the sort of castration angle and the involuntary sex change that just, it just came to him right there. And he started developing the character from there. Um, I was thinking about the origin of love. I was thinking about Berlin where my parents had lived. I was looking at the performers and I was sort of like, yes, this is the metaphor to walk <laughs> away. You got to leave something behind. Um, it took four years of perfecting this. And this, it was his penis. Yeah. It took four years of perfecting the songs for the and the story and costumes to get this on off Broadway. There was a story about how uh, Hedwig has some amazing wigs yeah. in this show. Um, they talked about the original that they were using roles that they didn't know how to do any of this. John Cameron Mitchell just became obsessed with the drag queen 
um, life and developing character based on this. And he hired people who were not in the business to help him develop this character. So they knew this one guy who did costumes. He did some for, for Broadway. They used rolled up toilet paper in the wig and it just started falling off on stage. Um, but they, it took four years of perfecting before they actually got it into something that was marketable. Mm. Um, it became an underground cult classic and Hollywood started showing up. David Bowie actually got this into the mainstream. He came, he came and he saw their show um, and this, this rundown old uh, shop, they actually said that on opening night, they were, uh, there, was a, there was a homicide and they were willing the dead body in front of the audience as they were going into the show. And they had to basically play it off like it was part of the, the thing. Um, Life but, on the street. You yeah, know so, how many, hey, Joe, do you know how many people were trying to get in that movie? I screwed that up. Yeah, you're dying, you're dying to, get to get into that movie. You're dying to get in. The show. Did the show. So this led to the movie being made in New Line mm -hmm. uh, because of David Bowie. Um, but again, it was a bomb. Also, it's your it, stomach, not mine. Okay. But it was a bomb. And it also, another reason, I think it would have bombed regardless, but it also didn't help that it came out. And then the next week, 9-11 happened. Well, I was going to say, it, Coincidence? Remember, it was a little bit of a cult film, though, almost from the beginning. Cause I remember, oh, from the beginning, yeah. Um, I remember, what, well, Suncoast. Those used to exist. Yeah. And I remember they had posters for it. And I can remember people going, oh, I need that for my room and stuff like that. So, I mean, it had a cult following early, but it just, you're right, it didn't, it didn't, blow people away it, no well, i thought of, it's had a cult following for years but it's one of those things I, I i've never seen it but i don't i haven't heard a lot about it in the last few years yeah and it, it well here's why here's why it has gained notoriety in the past few years it has yes because neil patrick harris is doing it on broadway oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's playing hedwig um and that gave it a whole new audience and um, he does a really good job. I've seen some of his performances. It's not John Cameron Mitchell. John Cameron Mitchell developed this. Um, his portrayal in the movie is amazing. And the songs—I mean, you can just sit there in the songs. You'll 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 find your foot just tapping. Do you have along to have three it. names to play the character? It's a good question. I didn't realize that. So yeah. Well, that's the reason why they paid. Me. Well, let's get Lee. Let's give Lee Harvey Oswald a chance and see what James. Let's give Lee Harvey Oswald a chance and see. He can go next. Yeah. Let's see how he shoots it up. Now, so uh, if you haven't seen Hedwig and the Angry Inch, please check it out. Hey, Joe, Joe, Lee Harvey Oswald playing that role would be mind-blowing. Oh, too Ooh. soon. Too soon. Too soon. I'm still trying to get the stains out of Mrs. Kennedy's jacket. <laughs> oh, my God. Joe, she ain't going to pick that up. No. Uh, no. I, she's, she <clears throat> dropped her dry cleaning off a few years ago. Never came back. <laughs> oh, my God. But no, um, we're, we're terrible people, but we're better horses. I don't know what just happened. But anyway, no, just uh, check it out. If anything, YouTube, uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, and the uh, Origin of Love, or Midnight Radio, or Wig in a Box. Listen to those three songs on YouTube, and those will hook you into the song. Joe, second pick. Mr. Cellophane. I got to do yeah. Chicago. Yeah. Okay. I saw Chicago at Universal Studios City Walk in Florida when it came out. I did not really want to see it. Chad's leaving. Chad's like, if I don't get a drink, I'm going to start coughing. I don't think that Chad's you had enough of this noise. They're Bud Light. You may have to get a warm one. Okay. Sorry about that. Sock at fridge, bitch. <laughs> anyway, back to what I was saying. Chicago. And I didn't necessarily really want to see it. I'm not 
I'm with Chad almost. I like them slightly better than him, but musicals aren't my favorite thing on earth. However, I went into that and walked out and thought that was brilliant. You guys like Chicago, right? Oh, yeah. I, I didn't like that movie, no. What? I didn't. I'm sorry. How do you not like that movie? I, I, again, it, that's too much. It was, it, it, it kind of bored me. I'm sorry. And I might need to go back and rewatch it. I don't think I was. All right. I can understand if you didn't like musicals, but bored? I was. I was bored. That has some fantastic. That is one fantastic performance after another. I may need to go back and rewatch it because I think when I watched it that one time, I was not in the right place to be watching a movie like Chicago. It was directed by Rob Marshall and Bill Condon, who would later go on to direct some musicals like Dreamgirls. Right. He also directed that terrible, 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 terrible Disney musical. Uh, Beauty and the Beast. Oh, that's right. He did do that. Oh, he also directed a couple of the Twilight movies, too, the last two. Oh. But Bill Condon's, as he also gave us the beautiful film, the masterpiece of Candyman 2, Farewell to the Pleasure. <laughs> but Chicago was, um, is actually based slightly on a true story, right? <laughs> yes, slightly. So, slightly. Marine Dallas Watkins retelling of two very public murder trials that occurred in Chicago on 24th. Those of Beulah Annan and Belva Gartner, Gartner. Watkins covered these trials in the Chicago Tribune and wrote the character of Mary Sunshine as a self-portrait. For Belva Gartner, better known as Velma Kelly, she had much less glitzy fate. She was acquitted and went on to have a few run-ins with the law, but ended up living a semi-normal life before dying of natural causes in California in 65 at age 80. But in the case of Beulah Sheriff Anon, a.k.a. Roxy Hart, it was more of a grisly end. It's true she was acquitted of murdering her lover. That's, that's all true. Yeah. Thanks to the skills of her highly paid attorney, which is also true, true. Yeah. who was bankrolled by her stunningly loyal husband, which is also true, played by the great John, uh, almost said John C. McGinley, but I didn't, John C. Riley, <laughs> uh, both great character actors. I love it. Thanks to the skills. She repaid that debt by publicly divorcing him after her release. She'd remarried two more times until her death from tuberculosis four years later. She wow. got the TB. Yeah. So that musical had been around for a while i was trying to think of when it originally uh it was in the 70s yeah yeah it it was it was been around for a while so it took forever to get it made i want to go over some of the people some of the people that so bob fossey when the film rights originally bought by producer martin richards 70s bob fossey was to be involved in the film project and goldie hahn liza minnelli and frank sinatra were announced as the stars for fossey's death in 87 ended that attempt of the film version um hold on so for some of the people for velma kelly and roxy hart wait so frank sinatra was going to do two different musicals that never came to happen yeah yeah yeah. madonna goldie hahn kathy bates rosie o'donnell nicole kidman gwyneth paltrow Kristen chenoweth for roxy hart or mary sunshine cameron diaz whoopi goldberg for mama morton britney spears by harvey weinstein for kitty kitty baxter tony collette winona Ryder, marissa tomei were all considerable for roles from the movie over the years wow yeah. Rob Marshall wanted Keanu Reeves for the role of Amos Hart. Charlie Sheen actually read for the part, still didn't get it. Wow. That went to John C. Uh, John C. McGinley. John C. Riley. John C. Riley. John C. Riley does that just perfectly. Well. I agree. He, the, he, his, his Mr. Cellophane and then Richard Gere's really tap dance, which he studied, which he worked on for months, by the way, to get that tap dance right yeah. for the jury. A month. Michael Jackson. After he Prince, got that gerbil out, right? Right. No, Jesus. Michael Jackson and Prince were both at one point considered for the role of Billy Flynn. Rob Marshall actually wanted Michael Jackson. What? It's a true story. 
I didn't know that either. Oh. Um, hold on. Here's I really other. don't remember anything about this movie. I do remember the Richard Gere tap dancing scene, and I was so, like, eh. when I originally heard about Chicago, because you know, it's I'd never seen it, but people are fans, and I have actually seen it now later on, uh, at, on stage post movie. It's fun. The role of Billy Flynn was offered more than once to John Travolta. He kept turning it down. Huh? Yeah. You know, I, the I've fourth seen movie that rich that john travolta turned down that richard gear got <laughs> yeah I mean, you want to know the other ones yeah tell me so he turned down not only the oscar nominated role of billy flynn for chicago american gigolo really? days of heaven by the way days of heaven is a hard watch but that's one of those terrence malick films that if you're in the film you kind of need to watch and an officer and a gentleman you imagine what a hit that was yeah <laughs> Travolta has said that he deeply regrets declining the part. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've seen it. I saw it on, uh, I saw it in theaters. Uh, yeah. Dayton levels told him not to take it. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll get letters. Uh, anyway, um, Gregory Harrison is who I saw do it uh, on tour at the tour. Yeah. Uh, and Gregory Harrison, we all know, of course, as Logan from Logan's Run, the TV series. Yeah, I was gonna say well, no, that's you, Jack. On tour, the one I saw do Billy Flynn was El, um, what's your face's boss from Seinfeld, which is funny. I've seen him live twice. He also read the Christmas story while I was at Epcot <laughs> once. I can never remember that guy's name. He's a John Uber. Hurley, isn't it? John, John Hurley. Hurley, yeah, yeah, yeah. John Hurley was doing Billy Flynn. He did it in Lexington here, actually. Really? Yeah, I, I, Gregory Harrison Years did ago. a great job. Yeah, uh, but because I saw it in Cincinnati, yeah, Cincinnati. So when the musical finally, when Merrimax got the rights. Listen to the list of directors that turned it down. Milos Forman, Herbert Ross, and Baz Luhrmann. Baz Luhrmann uh, directing uh, some Romeo and Juliet and uh, what's that other musical? Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge. Which is on my list. Oh, no. I like Moulin Rouge. Well, I like it, too. I just don't believe you can't like Chicago. That's all I want to say, because most people know the story Chicago. I really, I really do think I was in the wrong wrong set of mind when I said that I, I, Chicago. Uh, that movie only cost $40 million, and I want you to go back and look at it. It, it looks like it cost $100 million. It does. Oddly enough, it is also $40 million. It's, it uh, is Actually, Wes Craven, was, it was one of Wes Craven's films that he said he could never figure out how they got that much on the screen. Huh. It was one of those films, too, that if a, one of those songs – their earworms like the 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 courtroom scenes or the uh meeting with billy flynn and the thing and, and they do it as a ventriloquist act yeah notice how his lips never move almost yeah i that got in my head the other day not even when i was preparing for this and i was sitting there going they both reach for the gun the gun the gun for the gun <laughs> it's just something about so yeah it's a very effective movie. my third film will not be a huge oscar winner Go, James. Uh, my my next one is since Joe hates Finian's Rainbow, which I still will I don't hate it. I just don't get it. Um, didn't sell it for me either, buddy. You also didn't. Well, in all fairness, you're in, interested in films about penises. Is this uh, anyway, um, yes. No, no, it's the second one. It's only a second. No, it's his third. No, it's his like Finian's Rainbow and the other one. No, there was no other one. Are you oh, sure? Yes. Why are you? I want to do. Uh, it's it's actually my favorite. You want me to movie. agree with you, even if you're wrong? Yes. Okay. No, I get it. You don't want me to talk. Go ahead and do the show without me. See what I'm saying? <laughs> James gets it. Why well, fuck you? Can't get it. <laughs> Just do okay. the show without me. No, no, no. Anyway, I, actually, my next one is is my. 
and I've mentioned it before, it's my favorite musical is My Fair Lady. But I learned some stuff I didn't know about My Fair Lady. I don't think it's as bad as Chad is, but I swear to God, I, I truly like Pygmalion, the Leslie Howard version of Pygmalion more than you, I do My here's Fair Lady. What, but I learned some trivia about this that I didn't know doing research for this. And this is what I learned. It was Henry Higgins? Pygmalion, uh, Pygmalion was considered unadaptable as a musical. The people who made it, um, which were, uh, um, oh, shoot, uh, Alan J. Lettner and Frederick Lowe. And Alan J. Lettner made, Joe, you'll appreciate this. His other music uh, lyrics are in Brigadoon. Fuck a bunch of Brigadoon. <laughs> Paint Your Wagon. Yeah, my God, what a shit show. And uh, is it Gigi? Yeah, Gigi. But wasn't Paint Your Wagon a success? It was. I don't know. Second second at the box office that year, I believe. Check it out. Uh, And Frederick Lowe did the music. It was Braveheart, but no one talks about it. Frederick Lowe did the music, and Frederick Lowe did Camelot, uh, is this other big credit. So it is based on Pygmalion by George Bernard Shaw. Did you just say Dick Lowe did a camel a lot? Frederick Lowe Camelot with toe. <laughs> see, see, now this is where you get me off Dick topic, Lowe and then you complain toe. that it takes a while. Anyway, um, Dick Lowe Camel Toe. See, we can write me other fucking other big names. Who are those brothers? Sherman brothers. Fuck the Sherman brothers. Did you just try to say George Bernard Shaw? Yeah, the Sherman brothers. I was trying brothers. to, but y'all are y'all are interrupting. Anyway, George Bernard Shaw wrote Big Me. Couple things about that. Arthur Schwartz and Howard Dietz, who uh, did musicals, Bandwagon, et cetera, et cetera, they Dietz. were the first. What? As in Lydia. Say Dietz. nuts. Yeah. As in Lydia. Say nuts. No, because you wouldn't tell him he had three episodes done. Or three episodes? You know what I'm saying. James gets it. <laughs> see, and y'all talk about how I talk so long, but we're, we're 10 minutes in. And see, now you triggered my thing. It's trying to ask what I want. <laughs> Cheese and crackers. That's not cheese and crackers. It's cheese and crackers now. Anyway, Arthur Schwartz and Howard Dietz were the first to try to adapt it, and they gave up. They said it couldn't be done. They and then these, the these hacks, these musical hacks that nobody's ever heard of, Rogers and Hammerstein Never heard tried of to do it and literally went, it can't be done. Matter of fact, when they passed their notes on to, uh, uh, I'm sorry, it's Lerner. Lerner and uh, and um, Michael Lerner. Lowe, when uh, Hammerstein literally said to Lowe, Pygmalion can't be adapted. It has no subplot. He said that the original story is all about class. And so when they did the music, what they actually added that's not really in Pygmalion is Eliza's side of the story. The fact that she has to work at it. Because if you watch Pygmalion or if you read the original play, it's just like one day she doesn't speak well, then the next she's much better, and then it's the end of the show. Um, yeah, so they, yeah, the movie with Leslie Howard is about, about Leslie Howard, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's what it is. There's no... Um, You've seen but the, yeah, uh, Pygmalion? Yeah. yeah. No, it's been a long, long time. And of course, most people, even if they've never seen My Fair Lady, Ashley it will. <laughs> if, if you've never seen... Ashley... I'm just gonna let him go and I'll start over. Anyway, um, are you done? If God is my witness, this was his fourth movie. <laughs> my God, this is why it takes me so long. Uh, I need to start pre-recording mine, and you can just cut him in. Uh, anyway, um, 
<laughs> Cut it in post. It's <laughs> <laughs> God is my witness. <laughs> I'll cut um, down in post. But one of the problems about Pygmalion, I didn't know this, when George Bernard Shaw wrote the play Pygmalion. You just make fun of him while he's eating cereal? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like the puns. <laughs> you were saying when George Bernard Shaw wrote Piggy Little? When he wrote Pygmalion, uh, it was not, like, it was a, it was a huge hit in, in theaters at the time when he was still alive. But what it got negative reviews for was having a bad ending. People didn't like the fact that they don't get together. So much so. No, they did. She just, I mean, she just opens the door and come, they like, they basically reunite and then that's where it is. Yeah, it, but he smiles. It, it's, uh, doesn't it end on Leslie Howard? And the, it, it ends with the song, uh, uh, the, uh, the musical ends with, the, or he has the song, I've Become Accustomed to Her Face. Yes. In the George Bernard Shaw play. The play. He, yeah, Rex Harris, not, not Rex Harris. Henry Higgins, Henry Higgins is going to be go out with his mother. They're going out to dinner. He turns around to Eliza Doolittle and says, while we're out, go and get these supplies. And she realizes that it's never going to work out between them. And she basically said, no, the movie didn't mean that way. get your own supplies and storms out. That's the way George Bernard Shaw wrote it because at the time he was writing, it wouldn't have worked out. Social class, you would not break this. It doesn't matter what you sound. You don't come from the, the culture. So you can you can pass, but you can't be part of the culture. And that's what the play is actually about. Mm -hmm. When they did it as, as um, uh, in the musical, of course, adds the I become accustomed to his face, and it becomes a little bit, and then the, you have the other guy courting, trying to court her and all that stuff. That being said, that ambiguity actually becomes because the actors got tired of being hated. <laughs> Uh, the first actor to play Henry Higgins was Sir Herbert Tree. And when George Bernard Shaw came back for the 100th showing, the 100th performance, he made it, they made a big deal about it, and George Bernard Shaw came to be in the audience, and he noticed a difference. When Eliza storms out, uh, it cuts to, or it doesn't cut, the stage is set to where um, Henry Higgins, Professor Higgins, is still up above, and she storms out the door, so he's kind of in the window. And uh, Sir Herbert Tree added a line, basically, where he just yells out Eliza's name as she storms off, and he throws her a bouquet of flowers because she was a flower girl. And it, it's a little bit more heartwarming. It implies maybe something could happen. And Sir Her uh, George Bernard Shaw stormed to the back of the performance and got Sir Herbert Tree. And Sir Herbert Tree knew what the complaint was going to be. And Sir Herbert Tree's response was, my ending makes you money. You ought to be grateful. To which George Bernard Shaw said, your ending is damnable. You ought to be shot. <laughs> ah. So anyway, that's, uh, but if you've never seen it, Audrey Hepburn is in the musical. Originally, of course, on the Broadway cast was Julie Andrews. Uh, and Rex Harrison was Professor Higgins on Broadway and in the movie. My, my favorite songs from this one are the ones that nobody talks about. Um, I love the character. Now, he's a terrible human being, but I love the character of her father. His song, With a Little Bit of Luck, is one of my go-to songs. I, I literally sing it sometimes with my wife. And if you've never heard it, it's all about how I don't want to do anything. So Aren't they all bad people except for her? No, and she's not a good person. <laughs> I mean, they're all, yeah. 
Uh, and actually that gets to uh, my next favorite song. And these are songs that make me look like a terrible person because I love them so much. But uh, with a little bit of luck is all about uh, one of the lyrics is the Lord above gave man an arm of iron so he could do his job and never shirk. But with a little bit of luck, but with a little bit of luck, someone else will do the bleeding work. And it's all about being lazy and getting away with it because in the place, it to his wife. Is this about woman pleasing? Uh, it's somebody's I mean, got to come along and please her with a little oh. bit of luck. Uh, anyway, um, and the other song is is by uh, Rex Harrison. It's Henry Higgins. I'm an ordinary man, and the lyric that everybody knows from that. But if you let a woman into your life, and everything goes sideways, so that's it. My fair lady. If you've never seen it, it's one of my all time favorite. Movies. It's okay. Yeah. I think it's overrated. Yeah, I like it better than in St. Louis. It's a it's a it's a well made movie, but. To me, nineteen hour four. I have a hard time with that. I, I have a hard time with my friend, and it's just me about basically saying that in order to fit in, you have to conform to social constructs, which which is true. I, which is yeah, what sadly. the I mean, that's the entire point of the original play. Yeah, sadly. Yeah, that's why when I go to uh, faculty stuff and they have brie, I have to act like I know what the t proper temperature is for brie. I still don't. Did you warm in here for brie? I, I made that joke three times and nobody in that particular audience got my reference because <laughs> I forgot where I was. Yeah. Why my fair lady is relevant because I'm the Eliza Doolittle in this situation. Yeah. All right. Go, go. So, uh, my third and final pick was also a financial bomb, but it is considered a classic to this day. What? Hairspray. Well, the updated version is considered a classic, right? No. The 1988 version. Wasn't it? Actually, it was one of his most successful films. It it opened on in tenth place. Hey, did you see the other ones? What the movies before that? I, I'm pretty sure that was one of his more fun. No, it, if I, yeah. So it, it no, you're completely right. right. In terms of success, this is probably that's one, probably his one most, of his most open successful. But it it opened up in tenth place, only making five hundred and seventy-seven thousand dollars opening weekend. Um, movie had a budget of two million and made six million six hundred seventy-one thousand dollars back. Yeah. So it technically was a success. So yeah, it was his most successful film for him. For him. Yeah. But yeah, tenth place. Uh, Good Morning Vietnam was number one, and that was followed by Frantic, Shoot to Kill, Moonstruck, and Three Men and a Baby. Action Jackson was in seventh place. But that had <laughs> Carl Weathers, and he was Action, Action Jackson. Jackson. <laughs> and that was directed by Craig R. Baxley. If I'm not mistaken, the villain is Craig T. Nelson. Craig T. Nelson. You know I've never seen the movie. Uh, I've seen seen. I have seen the movie. I don't remember anything I can about roll it. all that information off Craig R. Baxley and the whole nine yards by Baxley. I don't want to see the scene. Um, so what, um, the movie um, is about this. They all know what it is. About, yeah. It, uh, everybody who's listened to this show. Just... Just a really quick synopsis in two cents or two or three senses. It's about a overweight girl who's not popular, who gets on to a popular dance show in Baltimore and uses that platform to fight racism. And who is in Baltimore? Who's from Baltimore? John Waters. And who was John Waters? John Waters is the writer and director of this movie. I'm sorry. That was the only part I was trying yes. to get up. Because I think he gets lost when it comes to the Travolta and the later. Yeah. I don't think he gets proper credit for no. that. Um, the movie's underlying theme is through music. We can spread messages of love and tolerance. The movie is based around the city of Baltimore, John Waters' hometown. Mm -hmm. The city was very well known for its rampant racism, and John Waters explored this with his two biggest talents, camp and comedy. Yep. 
um some of the great uh and there's too many writers of the songs to to, to, to mention but uh hairspray dancing party the bird and shake a tail feather are some of the best songs in the movie mm-hmm. um it's not the ray charles shake a tail feather is it no <laughs> because that's in another musical tail feather. The mo- did you know the movie's actually based on a short story that john waters wrote for his uh f- about his love uh for the dance show during his time the buddy dean show mm-hmm. called ladies and gentlemen the nicest <laughs> kids in town which appeared in his book crackpot the obsessions of john waters hmm. came out in 1986 yeah um hold on i lost my place so uh did you know that uh divine who played mm-hmm. the mother was not the original cat he, he wanted for that movie. No, I didn't know that. I just assumed it was Robert for Divine. Uh, no, well, eventually. But when he first started making this, when he first started developing the movie, he wanted Christine Jorgensen to play that. Which, if you don't know who Christine Jorgensen is, you don't know who Christine Jorgensen is? You're going to tell me, and then I'll go, oh my God, I don't know. No, who Christine is, Jorgensen is the first person to go through gender reassignment surgery. <laughs> well, we're talking about the same guy that got Patty Hearst in the movies. Yes. Uh, do you also know, you, you would also know Christine Jorgensen from. Ed Wood, that was the inspiration for Glenn or Glinda. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm correct, right? Yes. I mean, it's, he's not above taking people that. Right. He gave Tracy Lords kind of her big break. straight movie, yeah. right? Yep. Um, but the movie was rewritten because John Waters, uh, John Waters, uh, again, I'm going to use the word ingenue, was divine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie was what David uh, was what made Divine famous, but sadly she only got to experience it for two weeks. Yes, yeah, she died. She died two weeks after the after the movie was released. Did she die of a heart attack? Yes. Speaking of the word Chad keeps using, my favorite type of roast beef sandwich comes with ingenue. <laughs> yep. By the way, uh, one fascinating yep. part about this. Uh, I, by the yep. way, um, I read uh, this. Uh, all this uh, information came from an LA Times article that was written um, about a. Uh, uh, the anniversary of hairspray ricky lake uh divine did not like ricky lake because divine wanted to play all the parts she wanted to play the dad the mother and the 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 the, the, the and daughter. she had played multiple parts in move in john waters movies yes. before then too right and in this movie he plays the dad and the mom so yeah no he doesn't he plays no he no, doesn't the dad is played by, by jerry uh, uh jerry stiller jerry stiller yeah. i'm sorry but he does play a male character in that movie as well uh, did you one other fascinating part about this? So after they they connected and he loved he they fell in uh, divine fell in love with Ricky Lake, and he taught her how to do various things like walking hall high heels. Did you know divine high heels? Uh, the heel was actually made of pure steel because because of his weight because of his weight because every uh, be I right. wouldn't have done that, but I would have known that from kinky boots. Oh yeah, that's right. So yeah, so he had to wear steels because every time he'd wear real heels, they'd snap. Um. <clears throat> But Waters noted that the film was doing well at the box office. Again, this is what tenth place he considers well. It, it would have been. It would have been for, a for big, him. Big, yes, big hit for him. Um, it was doing well at the box office until Divine's death. This is a direct quote from Waters. I hate to say it, but sudden death is not a good movie for is not a good move or business for a comedy, which I did, I disagree with because if somebody dies, usually the box office can sometimes. Um, we just <laughs> we had just done a tour all over the country, so basically newscast cut from the news of me and divine getting giving interviews at the premiere to me carrying the coffin uh this doesn't make you run to the movie uh so yeah uh no it's just a really good movie i loved it as a kid the the songs kept me going and plus it had a really important message about tolerance that john waters managed to sneak into this this campy movie about teenagers singing on a show yeah and uh the the ironic i don't uh, this might not be irony 
but um the, it'll be at least Alanis Morissette iron. The inspiration for this, uh, sh- the inspiration for this movie, which was the Buddy Dean show, actually ended up being canceled because it refused to integrate. <laughs> <coughs> it's Back called in the corny. What is it? The corny whatever. The corny Collins show. Corny Collins. Okay. By the way, Finian's Rainbow also addressed racism. Goodbye. <coughs> yeah. All right. Is it my turn? So I didn't write anything down. I was having a hard time. Like I said, I've been ill this week, but I, I, I was sitting, I was trying to figure out what I wanted my third movie to be. And I was going back between two. One of them really is one of my favorite films, which wasn't the box, which was not a box office hit was the Wizard of Oz, but I'm not going to do that one. Because By the way, I'm, real quick, we do agree that even though we like Hairspray, you like Hairspray, right? It's okay. John Waters. I'm not, not a big fan. What's your favorite John Waters film? Not serial mom. I know you're no, no, no. That's uh, not. Oh, I, well, to, just to watch. Yeah, I, I really like uh, Cecil B. Be demented. demented. Knuckle it, boom. But serial I, mom's a close second. I think the reason being is because if you know anything about movies, yes, if you're a movie and how nerd, movies are made, yes, that's that movie's hilarious. Sorry, yeah, I didn't mean to get you off topic, right? but I just wanted to talk Don't about. Don't you agree though? Yeah, and we'll probably eventually do an episode on John. We, yeah, it's over there on the. Oh, it is. Shit. Well, John. Yeah, John Peters is. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say John Waters on there as well. Um, oh, sorry. I mean, and, our, and by the way, uh, buy his books. They're hilarious. Yes. And you go see his one man show. I, I like John Waters more than I actually do his movies. Yep. I'm more of a fan of oh, him. Oh, he is. He, well, and there's, he can well, project off things. Off. So anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah go. No, he's a, he's a cultural icon unto himself. Yep. So anyway, so I'd like to talk to you about the Wizard of Oz, but I'm going to. I think it's been talked about enough. If you're a fan, you're a fan. If you're not, you're not. And I, maybe we'll do something with it later on. Uh, <coughs> one of the movies that I've enjoyed, I haven't watched in a long time, since you did something, a low budget, I am too. I'm going to talk about Repo, the genetic opera. I was wondering which one of you was going to bring it up. I thought James would have. I, actually, that was one I was going to pass on because I've mentioned it before. But no, it needs to be talked about. Hit it. So um, I got to meet Darren Lynn Bozeman because we did, I did the saw table. Thank you so much. The Scarefest a couple years ago. He's a really nice guy. It's actually one of the first cons he's ever done with Scarefest. I don't oh. know that I knew that till later. Wow. People should and, come to Scarefest. What'd you say? But people uh, should come to Scarefest. Yeah. Scarefest. People should go to Scarefest. However, it, Tony Todd announced, uh, who's actually been to Scarefest a couple yes. times before. Anyway. I wasn't there for it though. Darren Lynn Bozeman. Yeah. He actually did a rock theater before he was making movies. Yeah. And this wasn't a new thing. The Saw franchise being a hit gave him the opportunity to do this. He and Terry, and I'm going to butcher his name. I'm so sorry. Terry Zudnick, the guy who plays the, uh, who plays the embalmer or the guy that runs around in the middle the, the basically tells you the story. Yeah. He's the one who wrote the music. Okay. And they'd done it on stage beforehand, mm-hmm. right? Now, Chad, have you seen that? I have, just recently. Oh, that's what I thought. I thought you hadn't seen it last time. Did you we like it at all? Uh, I, I'm sorry to say, guys, I did not care for it. You didn't like any of the songs? No. Oh, I, I, I really did. I could not get into it. Grave, just, he's the grave robber. He plays the grave robber. Because I like that actual song with Paris Hilton. I, grave robber. Yeah. I, grave the, the only time I could actually get into it is when um, the dad, uh, Giles, uh, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I'm blanking on his name. Anthony Hill. Anthony Hill. Head, Anthony Head, Head. something like that. Yeah, right? he, he, he can belt Head. out a tune. So when he was singing, I was actually genuinely interested. But the, that now that I just could not get into it, guys. I recommend it. I, it's different. It is such an oddity. It's such a – and I love when you talk about this all the time. It's a distinct voice. It is obviously a movie. And he did something later called The Devil's Carnival. 
the only letdowns to that are some of the songs are a little reachy. Yeah, and Bill Mosley's and Bill Mosley can't sing. No, oh God, <laughs> it was painful to get through. But Bill Mosley is uh, we're a fan of Bill Mosley on the show, but I don't know that he can sing. But Repo the Genetic Opera, it's basically in the future <clears throat> that and then they did another movie called Repo Man that's slightly close to the with uh Jude Law. Jude Law and, well, uh, and the, Yeah, Whitaker. yeah. Yeah, oh, and there was Not another later. movie like that as well that followed Rupo. Yeah, yeah. So in the future, you can have work done, update your organs, have facial work, but if you can't pay it off, then the Repo Man comes and takes well, it away. Well, and they add the, the, the caveat, too, that there was a plague. Yeah, yeah. So right. there's a, I mean, some people have to have this. So it's not just they add the added layer of it's people. It's not just vanity; it's survival. Yeah, but if you so, can't make your payments, it's it's a it's. I don't know. That's one of my favorite musicals, but it's definitely one you should check out, especially if you're in a rock opera. So, if you enjoy movies such as I'm trying to think of something that's a be Tommy, Tommy, um, probably Phantom of the Paradise, Rock and Roll Mom with Diane Cannon, <laughs> Rockula, rock and, rock and Roll High School. Rock and Roll High School. No, I don't. I rock, think rock, 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 rock because we could school. talk about Rock and Roll High School. We could talk about the Blues Brothers. We could talk about a half a dozen. Of oh weeks. yeah, all all musicals. All I'm, musicals. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna pat myself on the head for the Rock and Roll Mom. Yeah, thank you. I wouldn't. God, that's a terrible. So movie. check it out. There's some good songs in it. Every once in a while, I rewatch. Um, I actually think Paul Servino does a really good job in a couple Ooh. of scenes. Yeah, that. Ugh. But he has that booming, he's an opera singer yeah, yeah. in real life. Mm -hmm. So Well, and I think the thing about that movie that works too is that I like it because none of the characters are likable. Nobody in that movie. Everybody has really betrayed strong. somebody. Everybody has done terrible things. Mm -hmm. But I will say that some of the acting probably doesn't hold up. Right. And, and you know the other side? Slightly miscast. And probably not Paris Hilton, by the way. Well, the other side of that is it is operatic. Yes. You know what I mean? Like the, it's and, a rock if, opera. And if you look at what most operas are, mm -hmm. yeah, it did no, a pretty good job of being an opera. You're you're absolutely right. And I've eventually watched The Devil's Carnival, which is not a full length film. He actually traveled with The Devil's Carnival. It would play, the movie would play, and then there was a live show that went along with it. But check them out, James. I, I'm going to end. I literally had a bunch written down, but I, as I was sitting here thinking about it, it's probably the musical that i've seen the most and that i go back to matter of fact actually in probably the last three months i've watched it twice maybe best times. little whorehouse in texas no nope. i thought you were going to talk about that one also. from the day he something. was born not the night but the day he was trouble he was a thorn in his mother's side rocky horror picture show uh i love rocky horror picture show and what's funny is i, I was raised very conservatively uh i joke that my parents are puritans I was not introduced to this film till college, which is probably a time when you should be introduced. To That's film. senior I, year of high school is when I was introduced to it. I have seen it live several times. No, uh, wait, several, it was actually college. You've seen it more than live several times. You're going to tell the story? I was going to say, I, I saw because it. So, everyone, let's be honest here. Everyone knows the plot. Most of the people who are listening to us should know the plot to Rocky Horror Picture Show. If Angels you don't, really, really, really quick, really, really quick, it's, it's a tribute to old 50s sci-fi films yeah. and horror films it actually was filmed at oakley court which was used in the hammer horror films yeah and it's basically a young engaged couple's car breaks down i love the line didn't we pass a castle just a little bit ago because people say that um it's set during the nixon administration yeah 
and they're two clean-cut American kids, and they go back to this castle where a, 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 there's a meeting and a scientist has created new life just for sexual purposes. <laughs> um, and it follows them having to deal with that and, and some sexual awakening. I think they get like it from this point on. And yeah, Meatloaf shows up. Yeah. And Meatloaf shows up. And there's um, an amazing song. And then later he's made time. into Meatloaf. Uh, <laughs> the, um, Everybody has Meatloaf with mashed yeah. potatoes. That's a tender subject. I love this movie. I think partially, it's actually the line in the movie. Um, the uh, But I love the movie because it is. It does have the longest running theatrical release because it still shows, uh, and it has still showed consistently at some theaters. Oh, it's going to be replaced by that uh, Cats. <laughs> no, anyway, <it> keep going. <laughs> uh, but Rock Horror Picture Show is it's famous now because people talk back to the screen and all that stuff. In the shadow cast. The shadow cast, yeah, uh, and and that's how I got. I, I wasn't in the cast, the shadow cast. But I had a friend who was a resident advisor with me that played Frankenfurter. And that's the first time I saw it at the Kentucky, the historic Kentucky. I had a blast. And now, to be honest, if I'm grading or something, I can put it on. And like Chad talked about with Hedwig and the Angry Inch, there's just songs in it that I really appreciate. Yeah, I, I, have, time warp, I have Time Warp on my iPod. iPod so. Well, and I love the science fiction. IPod? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I want one for my car because my car is old and it'll work with it. Uh, but uh, science fiction double feature if you're a big science fiction geek, and I am. Uh, yeah. I love to go back. I've seen all the movies now that it mentions. Um, and and the, the British cut has the superhero song. If you've only seen the American cut, see the British cut. Superhero song is short, but it's, it's, it's really good. Um, but it, again, is just all about the, these people coming to terms. I think it's culturally significant because oh, of yeah. the LG the lgbtq impact that it had yeah there's been books that have studied that and so some people now argue that it's getting dated because there's some negative connotations that go with it but it had a very important role at that time richard o'brien uh wrote it it was not a hit when it came out well, it was it bombed horribly bombed critics hated it however said, go ahead i've got a bit of trivia for you for it that being said most of the cast of the film um, well, uh, so Nell Campbell and Patricia Quinn, yeah, Lil Nell, uh, and 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 uh, Tim Curry were all in the original cast. Yep. Uh, and so Meatloaf. Meatloaf, I think, was in the original cast too. Um, so again, this uh, uh, the, 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 it had some impact, and even it it impacted the punk rock scene of how people wore different clothing and things like that. So. But I'll be honest, I go with the musical side of it. Yeah. I, it, it is, I like the music. Two quick trivia points about it. One, so a couple of those people, particularly Patricia O'Quinn's been in Rob Zombie films, he was asked about which actor has he not got to work with? Richard O'Brien. Really? It's never worked out. So I'm often wondering, what the fuck is Richard O'Brien doing that he can't go, all right, Rob, I'll Cast, come over and do two days. Casting them Dark City chicks. Actually, this is true. So there was a sequel. Yes. Um, shock there was. Treatment. Yeah, shock. shock treatment. I have the two disc set. It came with I've seen shock it. treatment. I've never seen it. Uh, uh, it's, got a good, it's got one good song in it. The bitching in the kitchen. Or blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But interestingly enough, and just if you're curious about this, there is technically a third one. How did I not know that? Um, it's not been made. 
but it has been uh, so shock treatment came out. It was again poorly received by critics and audience and audiences. It didn't do as well. Yeah. Um, Curry, Sarandon, and Boswick didn't return. No, which was a big deal breaker for most people. But it does have a small cult following, nowhere near as big as the original. But yeah. some um, people dress up as the one guy. I can't he, he looks like the Undertaker? I can't remember his name. But ten years after Shock Treatment came out, so this would have been about what ninety one. Yeah, yeah, short treatment came out um, in the 80s. Richard O'Brien made a direct sequel, and he called it, the script is called Script is Out There, called Revenge of the Old Queen. And uh, it is, they had started pre production, but unfortunately, studio head Joe Roth, who had put it into production, pre production, got kicked out at Fox in 1993. The script is now owned by Fox. Which means it is now owned by Disney. Disney. Which means we'll never see it. We'll never see it. Um, there is, however, O'Brien has worked on another one called Rocky Horror, The Second Coming. Um, but yeah. he last worked on that. The last update on that came from 2001. There was a first draft of the script read by Terry Jones. So one other bit of trivia about this. <coughs> one year because it wasn't a success and then it caught on later for midnight showings. One year it was so popular, and this was in the 70s now, when 20th Century Fox also owned Star Wars, that they made so much money off of Rocky Horror one year that it paid for the prints. How you used to actually have to go, they paid for the lab that was expensive, the cans of film that went to these theater. Right. It paid for the prints for all the movies for 20th Century Fox that year. Wow. That were released. So I've read. I don't know if that's true. I've just read it. But no, it's an obscure bit of knowledge if it isn't true, but right. who makes that lie up? But, you know, one of the songs that really gets to me in Rocky Horror Picture Show, and, and, and it, it got to me the first time I saw it, it still gets to me today. And I've, I've actually told my wife, not jokingly, I said, you can play that at my funeral, is I'm going home. Um, yeah, I think if you take and it And we are so context, totally going to dress you up in lingerie. <laughs> I put that in the wheel, can we do it, you don't have to, Yeah, not, sure, why not? Well, You're not upsetting me. I, I put it in the will. I mean, it'd be really sad if we didn't do the eulogy for the other ones. Yeah. But no, I, I you know. Um, yeah, don't you I, think? That'd be kind of The sad. lyrics on that, uh, just, I don't know. Every time I hear them, as a matter of fact, actually, I've got it on CD and I play it in my car when I'm driving uh, home. That Correct. is expounded down. <laughs> That's true. Literally, I'm the only person that went, okay, I'm going home. He's very careful. Mournful kind of song. I've seen blue skies through the tears in my eyes. Followed that up with Eastbound Down. Well, well, and then can... that's that's followed up by with the Mighty Quinn. I've rarely ever <laughs> went on a vacation where we were driving where that wasn't the song that started out as we pulled out of the driveway. Eastbound and Down. But uh, what notable mentions do we have? I, and really quick, I don't know if I want to tell it on here. If you're listening, if you follow us on Twitter or Facebook, Find us at a convention or ask us, and we might tell the story about. We actually have a James and I have a Rocky Horror story with Haley as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Scarefest, Barry Boswick, ask us sometime. What are your honorable mentions? Yeah, I'll let James go because I want to see if I want to see if any of my honorable go, mentions are on your all's list. I, my honorable mentions, uh, there's there's only one that was made as a musical. It was based, it was a musical made off a book. My my other two honorable mentions, you'll know pretty quickly, but. Uh, my last one is Once on This Island, which I had never heard of. I until... actually saw the play, or saw the musical, and, and I hated it. My da- I, I'd never heard of it until my daughter was cast in it. 
Yeah. And she played I, a, a peasant girl. Yeah. She plays I a peasant it. girl at the end. Uh, and if, if Joe, basically the summary of it is, and by the way, we actually had the conversation with my daughter is if you turn out like the, the girl, the, the protagonist in this play, we're going to beat the living day. Like that. Yeah. Because it's, but basically the story is it's a metaphor for society. <laughs> it's a metaphor for society where there's the wealthy and the unwealthy. Yeah. And in the play, the original version of the musical, it basically was dark complexed and light complexed. But yeah. now they do it more as a class play, uh, class examination. But poor girl saves a rich man from dying, falls in love with her, or falls in love with him, basically pursues him the rest, and literally at the end starves to death waiting for him to come out. So I saw it live, hated it, and I can never remember the name of it. So every time I think of it, I always think, This Island Earth? <laughs> um, so... I didn't know anything about it. What I do like about it. Oh my God. What's your other honorable mentions? It's I like the gods. The God songs are cool. And, yeah. and uh, once on this island because the God of death has some good tunes. My other ones, they're the ones that are based on movies. <coughs> spam a lot. I love spam a lot. I love what Eric. Idle it's added. It's not a movie. It's not a musical movie. No, but it's a musical. That's why I said it was a movie that became a musical. All right, and the last gonna... one, the last one is one that was a movie, became a musical, and may, became a movie Get the producers. Yeah, I agree. Okay. When you've I... got it, flaunt it. Yeah. What's yours? No, go. I, I don't have a list. Oh. Go. Um, so the first one, Blues Brothers. Yeah. I can't. I actually am shocked James didn't do it. I know I am too. I, I left it off because I was trying to do musicals that became movies. That's my uh, self. South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. That one's yeah. good. I, I tell you that that was not also not a huge hit when it came out. And I remember seeing that Friday night and yeah. kids walking out. Yeah, and their parents pulling them out of it. I was like, "What the hell? Did you not know?" Yeah, what this well, was? I love. It is a lot of music in it. Of course, yeah. South Park has a lot of music. Yeah, in it. I love the the. They interviewed them after it came out about it not being a huge hit. I mean, it made money for comedy. It made money, but it was not what you know. But South Park one, was a phenomenal Academy Award nominated too. Um, yeah, Robert Williams sang it. Yeah, but what's funny about it is they interviewed Matt Stone, Trey Parker, afterwards, and they said, uh, "We don't, we can't prove this one hundred percent, but we bet some of that Wild Wild West money was actually South Park money." Yeah, I bet of kids buying tickets and then sneaking into the theater. I don't doubt it. No, um, this one's really not a musical, but it has a musical number in it. Labyrinth. No, I, I. Yeah. You think that's a musical? It's been a long time. See, I don't like Labyrinth as much as I did as a kid. See, I watched it a few years it ago. Doesn't, it, it doesn't have hold it, up. There's not much of a plot. No, there isn't much of a plot, but I still enjoy it. So I, I kind of, yeah. I kind of, that's one of those movies from my childhood that I know. It's, it's not as dense as The Dark Crystal. Yes, which is amazing. I haven't watched the new Netflix I haven't either. Um, the Wiz. I'm a big fan of The Wiz. Really? Yes, I love But you know what? Wiz of Oz? I, I like The Wiz. Moving on down the road. I, I, I could, that song's amazing. <laughs> I love The Wiz. <clears throat> it's directed by the hottest guy ever, Sidney Lumet. Matt, yeah. <laughs> uh, Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Nah, that's, a yeah. good one. that's a damn good one. Yeah, I could. I, yeah. Could, I love Sweeney Todd. I love everything about Sweeney Todd. Yeah, that's a good one. And Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge is a good one. Yeah, I can't. Moulin Rouge actually. Baz Luhrmann's a talented guy. Yeah, Moulin Rouge was actually one of those movies like I refused to watch because I was like, I don't want to listen to a fucking musical. And then I watched it and I could not stop it. it yeah. It's pure ADD. That's what it is. Just oh, thing, boom, 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 boom. You know, and I said, I, I tried to stick it's to it. It's a love story. It is a love story. I, I, 
I tried to do ones that, like, like I said, for me, bronchitis. the require the requirement I put on myself was doing ones that had been Broadway, then became movies. That being said, if you're going for movies <coughs> that are heavily musical, I would add in the Muppet movie. Yeah. Oh, I man, love I the, Muppet. the Muppet movie. Yeah, the Muppet movie, I agree. It's specifically the Muppet movie. I was gonna say, and and I and, speaking and of songs, I have Muppet movie is amazing too. In terms yeah, and of it has some numbers. good. It has some good. Well, ones. but I can't you know, believe the, that I didn't, I didn't put that on my list. The songs that I love from the Muppet movie. Go pick that up, Rainbow Connection. Nope. The songs that I love for, and everybody talks about Rainbow Connection. I love. Can you picture that by the Electric Mayhem? Yeah, I have it on CD in my car. It's another one. It's literally, if you're ever wondering what I'm listening to, it's either books on tape as I drive the long, long. Moving right home. along. Uh, but yeah, getting there is half the fun. Come cheer. I can't then, believe I didn't make uh, that what on is the, list. What is the? I mean, also again, it can be very, very depressing in some ways. But Gonzo's song, "There's Not a Word Yet for Old Friends Who Just Met." Yeah. Uh, so I, there's, there's just so many great song lyrics, uh, words that are delivered lyrically in the Muppet movie that it it is brilliant. I'm thinking of a ton. I, I really, I will say the best little whorehouse in Texas. It was a movie that I watched a lot as a kid. I know I like Burt Reynolds, but it has a lot of. Burt Reynolds cannot sing. No, but it has a lot of great songs in it that, that are easy enough for a kid to remember. Yeah. And it has a great, some dank dance numbers. Enjoyed it quite a bit. Do All you, right, guys. Do you think, and literally just wrapping this up uh, where I started with my first one um like i said never saw uh finian's rainbow and now that i've watched it once part of me wonders do you think the reason that did become a hit was the drug culture maybe at the right time i don't know you know dr doolittle wasn't a hit that came around around sometime around around that too people have a different memory of it later um that's what some people it was actually that that's a that's a whole other episode of late 60s studio system breaking down well, and that was the last thing, and that's the other thing that's about one of those Finian. last. What'd you say? That's the other thing about Finian's Rainbow. It has been recognized as the last of the studio. Music. Yeah, yeah, that was that, and that's another, the last one. That's actually the reason I know it, James. That and Coppola, and the yeah. reason I tried to watch it is because the historical reference of it, just because I like the history of cinema. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's again. Uh, which is I, and I'm so shocked that you didn't know anything about it. Huh? I, I I have a little bit of a soft spot for it, I think, too, because Fred Astaire. Yeah, and and not that I'm a huge Fred Astaire fan, but if you watch quote unquote classic films that involve dance, you have to know Fred Astaire. Really quick, for our people out there, we missed a ton, and I tried to do a little bit of historical, but I when I was making, I wasn't actually making fun of Busby Berkeley. That dude was a genius. Check out some musicals. Look that up. Well, and and James Cagney, I mentioned earlier too. Everybody thinks James Cagney as a gangster, gangster, but he was a dancer. Yeah. He was, and the yeah. musicals he was in are the one, the, the one that used to be part of the Disney ride. You ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah. And then it yeah. gets to. And another one I love quite a bit is Singing in the Rain. And I yeah. know it's a cliche to say it, but I do love Singing in the Rain. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's technically brilliant. You know no, what I mean? Like the, the yeah. structure. And if you know that. the history. Uh, and what they did to Debbie Reynolds. Well, is that, yeah. Yeah, it is Debbie Reynolds, but I don't know the whole story. Oh, they well, torture. Listen, listen. It's a well-known fact that when these movies were made, if you were a woman in a musical, you were going to suffer. Once again, have you? You you're the one that always talks about how terrible Rex was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and he had a temperature of 102 when he did Singing in the Rain. Yeah. 
Anyway, so the show was, must this on. is going to a close to a two hour episode. Thank you all so much for listening. <coughs> Let us know your comments. Tweet us, Facebook us, YouTube us, iHeartRadio us. I know please comments. I, I, please share us. Please, please, please subscribe. I know we're getting ready to wrap up, but I wanted to ask one question to wrap us up. What? If you were given carte blanche, yeah. What one property would you want to make into a musical? An existing property. I, I look over and I see the Evil Dead, but I've already seen it as the Evil Dead musical, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, but that's a play. I, yeah, I mean stage. <coughs> what about um, RoboCop? <laughs> that's a good one. I don't what know. About, what, what I'm going to say Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, huh? Isn't there? Wasn't there a cartoon episode that did had more music in it? <coughs> I don't up? know. The Ghostbusters. <coughs> yeah, I thought there was a musical episode. There might be Alien. That'd be a good one. There was the Halloween episode. There was the special Halloween episode that had quite a bit of music in it. So that might be what you're thinking. That may be what I'm. I'm having flashbacks. Because the, uh, the 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 ghost of that episode was a rock and roll singing monster. So yes. There is a lot of horror down here. And that's God, actually, they make some good movies. And that, that episode is actually what killed the animated series. But we 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 digress. Big Trouble in Little China. That, I don't know. That may work as a music. Yeah, that may work as a yeah. musical. I, I had that question. I don't have an answer myself, but I wanted to ask you all because I think that I, I, I honest to God, you've asked me, and it's it's that scene of you're just brick, you're just looking around the room. I'm looking around the room, thinking of things. Yeah. The fog, you <laughs> lamp, the, lamp the musical. Uh, Roll of paper towels, the musical. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you all so much. This has been Bonehead. <coughs> he said coughing. Said TB, it's a killer. Oh, my God. I caught it from uh, that one lady. Nicole Kidman? Yeah. Bye. Bye. Is her name Moulin Rouge? <coughs> she wears the rouge. Yeah, she gets the rouge from coughing up the blood in her hand and rubbing it on her cheeks. Stop recording. <laughs>